You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. So do you guys ever go through a moment, a season in life where you feel like the same subject is coming up over and over and over? Um, I have the last 10 days, two weeks, I've had the same conversation nine, 10 times over and over and over, which is the topic of today's message. So I want to ask you, I thought how great it would be to have this conversation with everybody. So guess what? I get to have the conversation with you. If you're in Olathe, Overland Park, the venue, Overland Park Auditorium, uh, online, welcome. Uh, here's my question for you. Get in your mind right now um, an area that's a big stress for you. What are your biggest stressors in your life right now? Okay, now when you have that in mind, here's my question I've been asking people. Okay, what is the specific promise of God, the promises of God that directly relate to your stressors that you're believing right now? What are those promises? Um, I had this question over and over and over. Really good people who love God, love the Bible, know the promises, but forget the, like the most important part is to believe the actual promise that relates to your unique challenge. And so we're in a series right now called, uh, it's called Foolish, and we've been going through Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. We've seen Enoch two weeks ago, we saw Abraham last week. This week we're going to look at Abraham's amazing wife, Sarah, ends up in the hall of faith. And her unique challenge, what she was, she was barren, and then later was post-menopausal. And the unique promise for her situation was God said, you, Sarah, are going to have a baby. And she believed God. She doubted a couple times, hugely doubted, blew it big time, but then later believed, landed in the hall of faith. So today, we're going to talk about the point of waiting on God's promises. Can look foolish. So let's say you actually believe God's promise. You can actually figure out what the Bible verse is about your unique stressor and challenge, and you believe God's truth about that, so you've believed it. There's a gap between the moment you believe that promise and the moment God comes through with that. That gap is waiting. Waiting on God's promises can look foolish to people. And we're going to see Sarah today. So today we're going to talk about, uh, go through four things. We're going to talk about the promises of God in general. What does that look like to believe God's promises? We're going to go through who was Sarah exactly, what's her life like, why was she in the hall of faith. We're going to talk about the two temptations that oppose every one of us. If we actually believe the promise while we're waiting, two temptations to stop believing God in that season of waiting. And finally, we're going to see how we can get victory over this. Um, So let me go ahead and pray. We, We all need this. I've had this conversation nine, ten times. We, I need, I need this weekend. I got stressed out and fearful at one point. In a moment of conversation, and I asked myself, what have I stopped believing about God? And I believe that, again, and I watched the fear just be driven out, the darkness driven away. It was amazing. We need this. We all need this. So let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I pray, this is an amazing woman named Sarah who um, believed you for what really is a ridiculous promise, an amazing promise. And she, she faltered, yes, but she later believed and she landed in the hall of faith. 
Help us to see that, yes, waiting on promises can look foolish. Help us to see how we believe your promises. We all need this discussion, this conversation. Help us to believe the very promises that we need for our unique situation, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're going to start off by talking about believing God's promises. I got an email from Pam Turner this week, one of my friends. She sent me a list of 13 promises. Here are four of them. So we're in a series called the, uh, Foolish and about believing promises. Um, here's four promises right here. If you want the whole list of 13 lies we believe and promises with the Bible verses, go to timhowie.com slash blog. The most recent one, timhowie.com slash blog. I spell my name with an E-Y. That's how we spell Howie. That's how we roll. So here, you ever think these things? These are things we all think. You ever thought this? I can't do it. I just I can't do it. I, I can't figure it out. I don't know what to do. I can't forgive myself. No way. I, I'm, I can't. I can't go on. I can't go on. Now, often we hear these things when they're whispered by demonic forces in the second person. You. You can't do it. You, you can't figure it out. You won't. You'll never figure it out. You can't do it. You can't forgive yourself. You can't forgive yourself. You can't go on. You can't do it. So, Pam sent me, this is four of the 13, the promises. Here's the truth. When you hear, you can't do it. You say, no, that's a lie. That is a lie because Philippians 4.13 promises, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the truth. And you need like 30 to 60 seconds of courage. That's it. When fear grips your heart and the lie fills your soul, 30 seconds, 60 seconds to pull that verse up or write it out or remember what it says, memorize it. God, that's not true. I believe I can do all things. You pray it like the day you got saved. The day you received Christ, you actually heard a verse, heard the truth. Jesus died for your sins. All your sins were paid for. He was buried. He rose again. At some point, you prayed in faith, believing. You, God, I believe these promises that you died for my sins. You rose for me. You're alive today. I give my life. You be- Same thing. You believe it. God, I believe. No, 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 that's a lie. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. You can't figure it out. No, 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 no. If I, God will direct my steps. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. If I commit my way to him and I don't rely on my human wisdom and I wait for him, he will guide my steps. I will know what to do next. Can't forgive yourself. God's forgiven me. It's gone. As far as the east is from the west, it's gone. Romans 6, 8, 1 says that. I believe that, Lord, not this lie. You can't go on. That's a lie. Because 2 Corinthians 12, 9, I believe your verse, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, your grace is sufficient for me. That's what it looks like. 30 seconds, 60 seconds of courage and faith to believe the truth and not believe the lie. Now, I had this conversation nine, ten times. Uh, I sat with a fantastic couple in our church. They were dealing with fears. And I asked the same question. So, do you have any... Uh, promises, what promise of God are you believing for your unique fears and challenges? And the lady whipped out a notebook of cards filled with promises. I'm talking 30 promises. I don't know. I started flipping it. I said, this is amazing. This puts you in the elite of Christianity. Like 95, 98% of people don't have these. That's awesome. Incredible, incredible couple. 
I said, what are you doing with these promises? She says, well, I write them down and I open them up and I read them. And I said, that is amazing. You're in the elite of Christianity right now. Do you do anything else with those promises? Well, no. I said, the most important part you left out? You don't believe, you're not believing them. You're not praying and telling God, just like the day you receive Christ, God, I believe you never leave me or forsake me. And I don't care if I feel you or not. I believe you have not left me and you have not forsaken. I believe that. I believe you care about me. Cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. I believe. I said, you know what you're, I got, I got these, these uh, water bottles out. These are the four promises that you see right here. This one. You can do all things. That's Philippians 4.13, Proverbs 3, Romans 8, 2 Corinthians 12. So th- these are promises. I said, here's what you're doing. You, you get the promise, you open the book, and you read it. You get the water, you get the promise, you open the book, you read it. Oh, I'm not getting any water out of this thing. What's wrong with me? Oh, I'll try this. Oh, I'll try this promise. I'm so afraid. Oh, oh God, I'm reading it. I don't know. You missed the most important part, which is actually believing what you just wrote. God, I can't go on. I keep hearing. I can't go on. I can't do another day. That is a lie. Get out of my head. God, your grace is sufficient for me. It is sufficient. 30 seconds, 60 seconds. The most important part is believing the promises. What promises are you believing for your unique challenge? Now, let's talk about Sarah now. Who in the world was Sarah? Let's put a a map up on the screen. Sarah grew up in the Fertile Crescent. So the Fertile Crescent is the green crescent-shaped area where there's water. That's where you want to live in the Middle East, where there's water. (laughs) That's what Fertile Crescent is. She was born and raised and met her husband in a city called Ur. You are Ur. What a great city. And so she was called by uh, called by God with her Abraham to leave that area and move where she doesn't know where they're going. Her husband was called. She had faith. She believed God. Imagine, ladies, this is the conversation she uh, endured. Hey, honey, I got a moving van. All of our stuff are in the moving van. We're going to get on I-70 and start driving. We're moving. God told me we're moving. Where are we moving? I don't know. But once we get on I-70, I hope he tells us turning right or left. I don't know. I don't know where to go east or west. So she believed God, Sarah did. Followed him all the way up to Haran, where they stayed for a time in southern Turkey, then followed down the other side of the crescent to the Holy Land. There they are. Who was Sarah? Next slide. Is the 13 chapters. If you want to read her biography, it's just 13 chapters. You can do it today. Fantastic biography. Genesis 11 to 23, Sarah's life. Next slide. Genesis 17, she has a name change. In the Bible, whenever there's a major heart change or name change or heart change with Christ, God changes your name to symbolize you've got a different life. In fact, I don't know if you know this or not, your name is not your name. Revelation says you have a different name already if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Revelation says you don't know it yet. It's true. So Saul in the Bible becomes Paul. He's changed. Simon is renamed to Peter. He's changed. Abram, her husband, to Abraham, he's changed. Sarah's changed. She's Sarai, which means princess. She's my princess. She's the princess of these people. Princess of the house. To Sarah, 
You're a princess of many nations. She's changed. Next slide is her faith. We're going to see that today, Genesis, or Hebrews 11. Her faith, we'll talk about that. Believing that she can have a baby when she's barren and postmenopausal. And then finally, the last one is 1 Peter 3. Everybody needs the access to this. Because if you ever have met a woman, who, a Christian woman, whose husband is acting like an idiot, they need this passage. Because um, 1 Peter 3, now ladies, don't go too quick for your pen if he's sitting beside you right now. But 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6 talks about, like, there's one passage for ladies when her husband's not following God. One passage. It's 1 Peter 3, 1 to 6. In that passage, there's one person to look to. God says, you want to see ladies, your example? Somebody who believed me? Sarah. Abraham was an idiot twice. Genesis 12 and Genesis 20. Twice he said to his half-sister, who's his wife, please tell people you're my sister. Deception, lies. She was not going to sin. In fact, she did not sin. She wasn't going to be forced to sin. But she waited on God to be her, her advocate. And God himself intervened on her behalf twice. Did something miraculous twice. She's our example. Now guys, if your wife doesn't follow Christ, they have six verses. We only have one. It's verse 7. Apparently we're ADD in these moments. We, only, we got one verse to focus on. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. That's her life. Now, let's talk about her faith. Go back to Hebrews 11, verse 11. Waiting on God's promises can look foolish. Here's Hebrews 11, 11. It says, By faith, Sarah. That's awesome. She's in the hall of faith. You can be in the hall of faith. She blows it twice. By faith, Sarah herself also receives strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age after menopause because, here it comes, she judged him faithful who had promised. Okay, so here's the key to understanding how you believe God. We focus on what God has promised, not Sarah. We focus on the ridiculousness of what God said. You promised to do this? That'll never happen. We focus on the promise. How could that happen? You don't focus on the promise. You focus on the promiser. She judged him faithful. There are people in your life that you know are faithful. If they promise you something, I don't care how crazy it is, they will come through and do it. You judge them faithful. Doesn't matter what they promise you. There's others. It doesn't matter how small that promise is. You don't believe them. They are unfaithful. They don't remember. They don't keep their word. You believe promises looking at the promiser. Judging him faithful. Who had promised. We have two miracles we can look to all the time to judge our miracles by. You say, well, God's promised this. How can that happen? Creation and resurrection are our two miracles we look to. Creation. Scientists will tell you that the fact that life exists is a miracle. They don't say that word. What they say it is this way. Life exists is very, 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 very unlikely. Which we call Miraculous. You can look at the creation. You can look at the resurrection. God created the universe, creation. He raised a dead body. He is alive. There were cowards who met and touched and held him and became courageous. Gave their lives, not denying the truth. So that's what we judge our miracles, our promises by. How can God, I mean, for God to take this girl and give her a baby. Now, girl, I probably shouldn't say that. She's 90. But this, this barren Older lady, this active adult, 
in her 90s. She, she believes God. So if God, if we have believed that God, Him faithful, He created the universe, miracle. He resurrose again from the dead, miracle. How big of a deal is it to get a 90 year old pregnant compared to the creator and resurrector? It's where you start. Now let's go look at the, what the, her challenge was back in Genesis 11, uh, verse 30. Genesis eleven thirty. 30, um, says her challenge. She's barren, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. Okay, that was hard. And then she gets a promise through her husband that God later says is for both of them. It's chapter 12, verse 2, Genesis 12, 2. I will make you a great nation. There's the promise to Abraham and Sarah, or at that time, Abram and Sarai before their name changes. Make you a great nation? You have no children. It's a promise that this barren woman is going to have a child. And that child, you have a child. And on and on until you have an entire nation of descendants. It's amazing. And from that nation, I will bless you and make your name great. Yeah, we're still talking about Abraham and Sarah. Their name is great. And you shall be a blessing. So that's the promise. She's barren. She's going to have a baby. So there are times, by the way, that we, we believe a promise. Let's say you get a hold of one of the promises that directly deal. Again, I'll ask you, what is your stress these days? And what are you believing the promises that directly relate to your issue? You say, I don't even know where to find those promises. I'm stressed about blank. You haven't mentioned blank. Do you have ex- access to what's called the internet? If you have access to this weird device called the internet, if you type in Bible promises on blank, and put your issue in there. People have already done the work. You pick out your favorite one. You write that on a card. You start praying and believing. And you drink from the water. In that 30 to 60 cra- cra- uh, crazy moment. that You need 30 seconds of courage. That's it. Now, uh, these, be- these promises, when you start believing, the gap. Waiting on God's promises can look foolish. There's a gap between believing God and God coming through. And in that gap, there's two temptations that will try to stop us. We both deal with these. We all deal with these. Temptation number one, I have to fix it. And all the control freaks around said, amen. Amen. That's what I do. That's how I roll. Who has two thumbs and fixes things? This guy. I have to fix it. See, when you're in this gap between believing God and God fulfilling it, at some point, you're tired of waiting, you control freaks. And so you take on God's role. Now, we're not supposed to be passive. Christian faith is a very active faith. We're told, resist. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's active. Put off the old man. Active. Put on the new man. Active. That's all active. But things beyond our control are God's job. It's when we try to do God's job, which is other people's heart and actions. I'm going to fix their heart. I'm going to fix his actions. Well, that's God's job. I have to fix it. That's beyond your ability. You've got to create healthy boundaries when they're doing things. So here's a healthy boundary. This is a version of basically saying in a nice way, you do you, and if you do you, i got to do me. Here's a healthy boundary. When you do blank, this is how I feel. I feel this way, this way, this way. That's my feelings. If you keep doing blank, I'm going to take this action to protect myself. That's a healthy boundary. You're not telling somebody they have to change. You can do you. 
You're sharing how you feel and what you have to do in response. It's when you try to, and here's the other version, manipulation. Sometimes we believe God's promises. We try to fix it our way. That's an ungodly way. So we do, we keep sinning because, well, what happens if I don't keep sinning? Well, will they go away if I pull back from this group, stop this activity? Will they get mad and say I'm judging them? We keep sinning in the interest of godly results. The ends justify the means. Or manipulation. Well, I'll start giving when I have enough money. When I'll start serving when I have enough time. You'll never have enough time or money. It's all control issues. So here's what she does. She, she's like post-menopause. She's like, well, how am I going to get this baby? Would you please go have sex with my maid? In biblical times, you could adopt a servant or a servant's child. This was actually culturally acceptable to adopt someone, but not to offer your husband. Honey, could you go impregnate our maid and we could adopt? Maybe that, a manipulation. I am going to fix it. And so it says Genesis 16 verse 2. Genesis 16 verse 2 says this. So Sarai said to Abram, prior to the name change, see now, the Lord... Okay, now I'm going I'm to get my just, I'm going to justify what God did for my manipulation. The Lord has restrained me from bearing children, which is true so far. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. So you are tempted in that gap of waiting on God, which can look foolish, to stop waiting and do what only God can do. By the way, if you want to pray for someone, you can't change someone's heart and mind, but you can pray for them. I'm praying offensive psalms on behalf of people these days. I'm praying the psalms with the violent imagery, break out their teeth, cut out, you know, pull out their fangs against any demonic influence. I'll give you my four psalms I'm praying these days. If you want to write them down, pray them. That's what you do for me. You pray for them. You can't force them. I'm praying psalm... 35, 83, 18, 58. 35, 18, 50, uh, 18, Dear God, if there's any demonic influence in there, any whispers in there, any opposition of the world, the flesh, the devil, kick in their teeth. Pull out their fangs. They're spreading a net for this person. Help them fall in their net. So that's what you do. The other temptation is to stop believing. Number two, it'll never change. I'm done believing. So you're in the gap. Fine, I'm done believing. Here's the story, Genesis 18. Three dudes roll up on Abraham and his tent. Those three dudes are Jesus, before he was born of a virgin, plus two angels. Hebrews Hebrews says that angels would appear as people and you wouldn't even know it. So these three dudes roll in, Jesus and two angels. Abraham puts a meal together. They're in a tent. They're sitting down. Sarah is listening at the tent flaps. And here's Jesus, the Lord, say, um, okay, I'm telling you. Now I'm giving you the time frame. Next year at this appointed time, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a baby. And in the tent flap, she laughs. <laughs> but she laughs on the inside. Like she, I don't know if that's, that's how you do it when you laugh. But you laugh on the inside. Now you know, did you see that subtle facial movement? Great teaching. Uh, you know God can hear your inside voice like your outside voice? I'm going to say something right now uh, to the Lord. Did you guys hear that? God did. Just like I said it out loud. 
I said, God, I thank you that you love me and I thank you you love these people. That's what I said. God heard it. Sarah laughed inside her heart, laughing at God. <laughs> that is a ridiculous promise. Only I'm done believing. Only an idiot would believe that. It will never change. Don't tell me you've never laughed at God's promises for you. We all have. I have. It'll never happen. And you laugh at God. So God calls her out. Hey, why did Sarah laugh back there? It was silent. She, she laughed in the inside voice. God calls her out. Here's what it says in Genesis chapter 18. Verse 12, therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure my Lord? He's not helping either. My Lord being a little old also. And the response, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? See, this is what brought her back from doubt. This is what you believe. If God can create the universe and life, which is a miracle, and he can raise a dead body, which is a miracle, you think getting... One of our active adults pregnant, is that hard? Is anything too hard for the Lord? So she come, here's a woman who offered her maid because of being a control freak and laughing at God, landing in the hall of faith. So you may have manipulated or doubted or laughed at God. Doesn't matter. If you believe this again, you too can land in the hall of faith. Like God can say, by faith, you. You pleased me, believing me in this difficult time. So you see the moment, Genesis 21, verse 1. Genesis 21, verse 1. Um, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And they're just dying with laughter. We're throwing a baby shower at 90. Verse 3. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. In Hebrew, the word Isaac is Hebrew word for laughter. Hey, laughter, get in here. Oh, laughter. Hey, laughter, you, when your dad gets home, laughter. Laughter. People say, well, why did you name your kid laughter? Well, we'll tell you the story. God said we'd have a baby. My wife was barren. Then after menopause, and my wife, we laughed at God. She laughed at God. But then she said, wait a minute. Nothing is too hard for God. And she believed. And now our laughter has changed. We Isaac all the time. We laugh all the time. I'm holding a baby. Going, what in the world is going on right here? What is God doing? People think we're crazy. We're nuts. They say, how is this happening? I don't know. We named him laughter. I am laughing at what God is doing, because this is nuts. Laughter. Genesis 21, verse 6. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. Every time they told that story, they just laugh with joy and shock and awe. But what God did, and all who hear will, will they'll Isaac with me. God's made me Isaac. We Isaac all the time about this. We laugh all the time. And, and every it comes to talk to hear the story, they, they're Isaacing with us. We Isaac all the time. We laugh about what God's doing. What in the world's going on around here? What is happening? That's why Hebrews 11, back to there, here's what, here's what the promise says. This Lancer, a woman who gave her maid to her husband, manipulation, a woman who just laughed in God's face on the inside voice, believed God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, postmenopausal, because she judged him faithful 
It's about him who had promised. Therefore, from one man, from Abraham, and him as good as dead. Every guy likes his virility talked about like that. He is as good as dead. We're born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand, which is by the seashore. Um, we'll put the next chart up there. Let's put Pam Turner's chart up here again. So I had another conversation. I have a number of them. I talked with my grace group uh, this week. And um, we were talking about why do people... I, I was asking the promise again. Like, what promise are you believing? We all have different fears. We all do. And we we're talking about those. And I said, well, what promise are you believing? And we talked about, do you believe God is big and that God is all-powerful and that God loves? And one of our members... Very candid, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even the hands have to get up here. Yeah, 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 I believe that. But, and then we started unpacking. Why do, why do we think that? Why do we take this promise that God is good and yeah, yeah it away? By the way, we all believe these promises. Do you, we'd say, do you believe God is good? Yes. Do you believe God loves you? Yes. Do you believe God is powerful? Yes. Do you believe everything can be used for good? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we realize... We believe God quite often with generality that doesn't apply to us. But not specificity that God loves me. It's the act of taking that general promise, which doesn't apply to you, really, and saying, God, I believe. I can't figure it out. Yeah, I know you help other people. Yeah, 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 you're big and strong. But not me. It's that 30, 60 seconds of believing God. I, I met with another uh, great family, fantastic Christian family, follows Jesus. This mom is a Bible teacher, teaches the Bible all the time. Their house is full of Bible promises. We laughed about this later. And I asked them the question. It was a mother or daughter. I said, hey, guys, what, what promises are you believing for, for your situation? And the mom said, well, our family just struggles with fear. We str- we, all of us struggle with fear. And... Uh, I took him over to 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 18, which says, fear has torment. I said, fear torments you. I get it. I've gone through even panic attacks before. Fearful. It torments you. But 1 John four eighteen says that when there's love, love drives out fear like a fog. The darkness gets pushed back when you really believe love. And I couldn't find the promise. So I back to verse 16. 1 John four sixteen says, we know and believe the love God has for us. I said, now, let me just chat. And we, we laughed about this. I said, I gave her, gave them an example. You're like this. They said, well, we have Bible. I said, what promises do you believe? We have Bible verses around our house. I go to my coffee machine. <laughs> I see a Bible verse, a promise. I read it. And I get my coffee and walk away and I'm afraid. I said, so here's the thing. Why don't you just change how you introduce yourself? Don't, no longer say, my whole family struggles with fear. Instead, introduce yourself the way 1 John talks about it. Our family struggles with actually believing God loves us. We think God loves you. We don't think God loves us. That's our struggle. We don't believe that. I don't believe God loves me or her or him. That's our struggle because it gives the solution in the explanation. It's believing. God, I believe. 1 John 4, 16. I believe the love you have for me. Here's what I would do. This is a confession line. This is a belief line. This is a scripture. Here's what I do. We did this a number of times this week. God, I confess this thought is a sin. When I hear you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it, that is a sin to believe that. That's a lie, offensive to God. 
I believe, that's a sin. I confess that sin. I believe the lie. Get out of my head. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that right now. I believe Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do this right now. Just confess. If you ever thought, I can't go on. I can't do this another day. Just tell God, God, that offensive sin and lie against you I have bought. Forgive me for believing this lie. I can't go on. That's a lie. Because you have promised your grace is sufficient for me. God, right now, I believe, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, your grace is enough for me. Your strength is made perfect in weakness. That's how it's done. 30 seconds, 60 seconds of faith. There's also promise number one. Promise one, the starting promise, is believing the gospel. Jesus died for your sins. He he was buried. He rose again for you. Have you relieved? Have you believed and received that promise for you? Not the world, for you. Let's pray. God, I pray right now. Set people free. Help them to believe your promises. Whether it's the gospel, starting the relationship with Christ, whether it's other areas of fear. May they be like Sarah. Believe and wait on your promises, Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you have questions or would like to contact us for prayer, please email us at info at visitgracechurch.com. For more information about our ministries, location, and service times, go to visitgracechurch.com.